Hello, and welcome to Beyond Organic Wine. I'm Adam Huss, and I'm coming to you from Piscinus Ranch in the former lands of the Ama Mutsun. I'm helping to care for the very special vineyard here and learn as much as I can about sheep. If you want to find out why this vineyard is so special and learn about what's going on here at Piscinus Ranch, check out the episode from over a year ago with Kelly Mulville, who designed and manages the vineyard here. Piscinus Ranch is a leader in regenerative agriculture, and they have a sign right next to the vineyard that spells out the principles of regenerative agriculture. I thought it's been a while since I've mentioned these, or I don't even know if they've ever been officially mentioned, so I just wanted to give you those seven principles of regenerative agriculture. They are, number one, minimize soil disturbance. Number two, keep the soil covered at all times. Number three, keep living plant roots in the soil. Number four, incorporate and foster diversity of plants, animals, people, cultures, and perspectives. Number five, avoid chemicals. Number six, integrate animals. Number seven, build and nurture relationships, especially with creative, passionate people and all life. I mention these because It's great to be reminded of them, but also because if you consider them carefully, you'll see that they extend far beyond agriculture, viticulture. My guest for this episode is Regine Rousseau. Regine is the founder and CEO of Shall We Wine, and she's also the communications director for The Verizon Project, one of the best-named programs in wine. Regine explains the work of The Verizon Project, And she offers some really important insights into how we can help make wine more inclusive. I'll be honest, I got a little choked up as I re-listened to her describe why someone might get involved in wine, as it has been narrowly defined, despite it not being friendly to people who look like her. Here's a hint. It's about love. Ultimately, I hope Regine helps you, as she helped me, fall even deeper in love with wine. Also, Regine mentions this, but I'm repeating it. The Verizon Project is now accepting applications for their future leaders program until the end of January. So spread the word or get your applications in and enjoy. Regine, thank you so much for doing this. Welcome. Thank you so much, Adam. And that's nothing I like more than having a good conversation. Mm, It's, you know, it's becoming sort of a rare thing in our in our in our world <laughs> a, yeah. a special thing that it, like almost like a craft or a skill that's that we're losing somehow it seems like yeah um, i was I, um fortunate enough to sit down with the cast of or some of the cast members from the wiz they were in chicago last um, week and i was invited to have you know drinks with them and two of my friends came and we talked for two hours. Mm. We just talked. And at the end, we all said, wow, when was the last time we had a conversation with strangers and how fulfilling that was for us? So, oh, yeah. yeah. That's great. Yep. I, I definitely concur and feel that. <laughs> um, well, can can you introduce yourself and and the organization that is the cause of us getting together here? Absolutely. So my name is Regine Rousseau, and I am the uh, director, uh, communication director for the Verasion Project. 
And uh, let me just start by saying thank you for um, having us on to, to spread the news. Oh, it's my, really my pleasure. I heard about you two, three years ago um, when I interviewed Nadine Brown, which is a great episode if anybody wants to go back into the library and dig that up. Um, but I was just like, it's such a clever name for what the mission of the, of the project is. And what is the mission of the project? What do you guys do? Well, you know, our, we are a 501c3 um, organization. And what we are doing is we are investing in helping develop future leaders in the wine and spirits industry. And future leaders were really focused to BIPOC, um, you know, Black, Indigenous, people of color, and making creating opportunities for us in the wine and spirits industry. Right. Yes. And you, you know, you asked me, well, I should say it's one of those things where I, because I heard about you so long ago, when um, you guys got in touch, I was really happy to hear that you were still doing what you were doing. Cause I know there's been so much upheaval in the past few years with all kinds of organizations and businesses. Um, I was just like, well, this is great. And can you talk a little bit about what, kind of projects you do? How do you do? How do you achieve that mission? Yeah, so we have three initiatives. Um, the first one is the Future Leaders Program. Uh, it was formerly known as the Grantee Program. And this program has shifted a little bit. It's focused to um, people who are in middle management, and they're trying to grow their careers, or they are starting a business. And under the FLP program, we provide them with um, a mentor, executive coach. Um, we have um, learning experiences for them. We support them if they need to get uh, a wine certification. And then we're next year, we're actually taking this particular group abroad so that they have an immersive experience in wine. That's, that's go ahead. I'm that's sorry. the future leaders program, future leaders program. Then we have one that I I'm super excited about. It's called the bridge program. And the bridge program is for those who are earlier in their career. And what the bridge program does is help individuals who are facing financial challenges. So for example, let's say they get a job offer, but the job offer isn't enough to help them with their relocation, or there is a gap between the moment where they receive the job and their rent payment is due. I find this super important because I've known a few young um, professionals who are in that um, in that position. So the bridge program really bridges that gap and helps them make it from you know not having a job to being able to get to their destination. And then the last one are uh, is the apprentice uh, apprenticeship program, and that's also an entry level program where um, our participants have the opportunity to rotate throughout certain jobs um, in a winery. So they have maybe three months doing marketing, three months doing uh, winemaking. So at the end of 12 months, they have a real understanding of what it's like to work in different facets of winemaking or sales, um, any part of uh, the winemaking industry. Oh, I love that. 
I think mm-hmm. that's so important. Um, I also, the fact that you're doing the travel abroad, I mean, I remember sitting in like a certification class, a you know, wine education class, and the instructors were just like rattling off. As we talked about the wines, they were talking about their experience there. And I was like, how am I ever expected to have the depth of knowledge that these people have without going there? And yet, how would I ever get to all of these places? How would I ever, you know, have that immersive experience, which is so necessary to learning? I, I've learned <laughs> and and think in general. So I think that's fantastic. That kind of thing is, you know, irreplaceable. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think um, I've learned so much from being in the vineyard, in the country, speaking to, you know, the winemaker or someone in sales for the winery. There's no experience like it. Everything that we learn through WSET or um, ISG, whatever um, academy or whatever institution you're part of, it all comes together when you're, for me, when you're standing in that vineyard and you're like, oh, this is aspect. This is elevation. <laughs> oh, this is what the soil looks like. So yeah. Oh God. Well, that that takes me right to the heart of why I do what I do, which is just to reconnect people to that sense that you know wine is this agricultural pro- product. It, mm-hmm. You know, and beyond a product, it's the you know it's a it's part of this ecosystem that begins in the earth and. You, you know, we're so, all of us are so disconnected from, from that for the most part in our lives right now, because there's so few of us who are farmers anymore yes. and have that, you know, real hands-on connection. And I, yeah, I just find that invaluable to, I mean, to life in general, but, <laughs> but to, especially to the understanding of wine and really, you know, the importance of, of what you do in wine really has to center around that. Um, I also, I love the idea of the apprenticeships mainly because I, I mean, I've always been a sort of, I, I mean, I'm rethinking currently I'm asked, I'm trying to ask some big questions about wine education in general. And I just think that the apprentice route is the way to go rather than, you know, sitting in a class doing blind tasting analysis of wines out completely out of context. Again, for the same reason of that, that immersive like reconnection and actually building like a usable skill-based body of knowledge versus sort of some theoretical party trick <laughs> to put it like, you know, on the extreme I agree side. With you, Adam, you know, I, a lot of the work that I do is in my office and I'm in my office now, and I've been extremely fortunate and have been able to travel and, you know, visit some of my you know favorite wine regions, but I just, I feel like, you know, if I was able to go back because I'm too, you know, I'm in the middle of it, you know, I'm too immersed in my business right now. I would have taken a year to work, uh, you know, at a winery. I feel like I'm missing a big part of my education because I don't get to touch and feel and smell all of those things that make up wine. Um, Mm. And, you know, I I get bits and pieces of it, but, you know, sometimes, honestly, my soul craves that. And I think I could take, you know, take this love affair with wine further if I had uh, those moments. Well, what is your background in wine? How did you get involved? And how did you get involved with the the Verizon Project? 
So I, um, ooh, it's a long story. If I tell you the <laughs> truth, I will tell you how old I am. But let me, <laughs> so I actually started working in wine back in uh, 1998, 99. Uh, so 98 through 2000, I sold mm-hmm. wine for okay. a distributor in Chicago. So okay. were you even born then, Adam? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> So, but thank um, you. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's how it started. And then I, I left the industry um, for some years. I you know, went into sales and marketing and pharmaceutical, medical devices, litigation, consulting, and never abandoned my love for wine, continued to read and drink and fantasize about getting back to it. Um, fast forward to 2013. Um, I was laid off, which was one of the best things that could have happened to me because it allowed me to uh, stop being afraid and ask myself the question, if I could do anything, what would it be? And I just kept coming back to wine. So in 2013, I launched my business, Shall We Wine? We are a, um, a marketing company and we work with wine and spirits brands and you know, we help them to grow their reach through um, television, through video, uh, through events. And so while I was busy building my business, I met uh, Ariel, who is one of the uh, founders, or he is the executive director. And I also met Carly, who is the founder of the Verasian Project. And Ariel told me their mission And it just clicked with me. And what clicked for me was, wait a minute, we're not only giving scholarships, we're actually putting people of color in a situation where they get the experience they need in order to get job opportunities in the wine industry. And that to me was the key to saying yes, I want to be a part of this organization. That's great. Yeah. Was there a back before that when you started selling wine, like was there some aha moment that or an aha glass that gotcha? Or was it just sort of by virtue of there was a, a, a an opportunity, you took it and sort of got curious as as time went along? Oh yeah, you know, for us wine lovers, there's always an aha moment. Mine, <laughs> <laughs> mine was in. Uh, I was doing a study abroad program in Besançon, and um, I, in France, and I was invited to um, someone's home, uh, one of the host families, and he just happened to own a wine shop. And, you know, as his special guest, he decided to pull out some bottles of Bordeaux and decided to do a wine tasting for me in French. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that was for me the moment where, you know, I didn't know I was going to work in the wine business, but I knew that wine was going to be a part of my life. And I, I fell in love with it right then and there. That'll do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds kind of magical and romantic. It was. Oh, love that. Well, I, I mean, you asked me, you know, off offline, what 
why, I mean, having sort of looked through the podcast and seeing that I do a lot of viticulture and agricultural-based topics and ideas, what my interest was in talking with you. And and I'm getting to, because I want to ask this question of you, you know, what's important to me is that there isn't a separation between culture and agriculture in my mind. Mm-hmm. They both reflect each other. And they both thrive on diversity. And, you know, this is what I'm really trying to help promote is biodiversity in our cultures um, and a diversity of cultures as, as a way to thrive, as a way to be able to be resilient going into this crazy future that we're heading into. Um, but, I, you know, having said that, I, you know, what, what is important to you about the work of the Verizon Project? So you should just drop the mic after, <laughs> after that line. There shouldn't be a separation between culture and viticulture. What? That's, that's, I mean, that, that is so perfect. Um, what's important about the work? You know, this world, even though it arguably was not created for someone who looks like me, has given me so much. Mm. And the work is, what I think is important is that we are letting people who look like us, and when I say us, we have a very diverse board, but, you know, Black, Indigenous people of color, we're letting them know, look, there is, this, this world is for you that your culture has a place here and has had a place historically, even though, you know, it may not feel like it, but give us a chance and we'll show you where you fit in. And if you're interested, we're going to show you how to forge your own path in this world. And, you know, I, I it's so, what we're doing is to me so important. I did not have that in 1998, you know, 99 and 2000. You know, I I didn't have that. There there was no conversation, as far as I remember, about being Black, uh, being Caribbean, and being in the wine world. Um, And maybe there would have been more people who looked like me had those conversations been taking place. And now we really have a chance, and we're doing the work with other organizations to blend culture and viticulture. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I wonder if you have any sort of personal experiences or, or obstacles that you encountered because of, you know, just who you are in, in your pursuit and journey with wine. So many that you would probably need like <laughs> a few podcasts. <laughs> this would become but... the regime episode <laughs> rather than the Raisin Project episode. I you get know, that. But the biggest thing, I'll say, I'll answer this way. You know, because of the way that I look, um, I have been dismissed, mm. you know, but I've also gotten a lot of support. So, mm. you know, what I learned earlier on, because I'm, you know, I'm from Haiti and, um, you know, I had to deal with adversity, you know, since being a kid with an accent, being bilingual, you know. So by the time I got into the wine business, I already had, I knew how to, I knew how to work with those obstacles, right? Uh, Yeah. Um, So, you know, I wasn't surprised when someone 
you know, didn't understand that I was the person hired to do the presentation. You know, I wasn't surprised when I was dismissed or looked over. By the time I got to the wine world, I already knew how to deal with those types of people. Um, so yes, do I have stories and experiences? So many, but right. you know what? I also have a lot of great stories about, you know, people who helped me, who mentored me, who, you know, pushed me along and who said, Hey, how can I support you? I think you're amazing. Uh, and I still have those stories. Fantastic. Yeah. I, I mean, we were talking a little bit about, um, just my, my sense of that. I think we need to reevaluate the wine education. That is the dominant wine education right now, um, globally, which still, you know, centers around two English organizations that are basically pay to play certifications that are still very Eurocentric and not representative of a majority of the planet um, and still promoting the idea, a very narrow idea and very regionally based idea of wine, not regionally in the sense of a diversity of regions, but a single region, <laughs> the European region. Um, and, 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 you know, this has been a something that I've come to realize and, even just as an American, it's off-putting, even though, you know, if I go far enough back, I have ancestors who came from Europe. And as I was telling you, I, but I, I, you know, I started to think about somebody who doesn't even have that tacit connection to Europe, like how off-putting is the wine industry and why would you even want to be part of it? You know, I mean, we, we talk about wanting to be more inclusive, but like, you know, what is the motivation for somebody who, who, who shares, who doesn't share that cultural background and, you know, is somewhat excluded from it, uh, in, in the wine industry itself? Um, that's, and a you great gave a great question. answer. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a great question. And I've had this conversation with, um, so many of my colleagues and here's how I'll answer this. You know, there are many, um, what am I thinking? What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, disciplines. Um, there are many, I, I, I know there's a better word, but it's escaping me. There are many things that we can look to and say, well, you know, the way that this is marketed or presented um, isn't friendly to yeah. people of color, right? But when you fall in love with it, you fall in love with it. I yeah. think about art and I, you know, even though I, I could think about, you know, many galleries that did not accept African-American artists or African-American uh, collectors, but you fall in, I fall, fell in love with art and it is a part of my life, right? It is a, you know, it is a part of who I am. I had the same experience with wine. When I, when it, I got that bug, I was like, oh, wow, this is going to be a part of my life forever. And maybe if I wasn't so thick-skinned and hard-headed, I would have done something else. Um, but that's what love is, right? You find yeah. this thing that gives you joy, pleasure, that you feel like is so much a part of your soul, and you embrace it, and you embrace the hardships of it. And I imagine that that's what it is for so many people who have not been embraced in this world. It's just mm. what we love. Mm. That's a great answer. Um, what, having said that, what, what can we do 
to make it easier for more people to be able to fall in love that way? Um, I think we have to stop. I think we have to, it's not just about how we educate about wine. I think it's about how we market wine. Mm. It is grape juice, right? (laughs) (laughs) Really delicious grape juice. Yeah. Uh, You know, really like interesting grape juice. (laughs) But it's also this thing that's supposed to bring people pleasure. You don't have to have an accent to enjoy a great bottle of champagne, (laughs) right? All you have to do is have a desire to experience the land, the culture, the people. And I I think that if we stop just being so um, impressed with ourselves, impressed with what we know, and we understand that this is a product about joy, a product that makes people's lives better, and we market it that way, then we'll have more people coming into our world. And it's for everybody. Yeah. Oh, I I like that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's funny. I, I, (laughs) Wendy, who's my wife, we, we talked at at one point about like, if what, if we were going to describe, because we have a winery, so we're both co-owners of Centralis Wine here in, in South Central Los Angeles. And um, we were trying to figure out like what would be the best way if we had a movie poster that that represented our wine, our winery as a brand, what would that movie be? And we came to um, Love Actually <laughs> because I think basically you just encapsulated it. It's like, you know, we wanted it to be this thing that just you came away feeling a sense of hope and... Yeah connection to your fellow human beings and you know <laughs> that there that love is possible and it's actually the dominant force in life um, I, I love that I, I love that movie um yeah it, and, and that's what it is and not everyone has to love it but it's here for you whenever you're ready right <laughs> yeah exactly it might be a little cheesy for some people <laughs> who knows what but every once in a while you might have a guilty pleasure of you know watching it around the holidays <laughs> exactly. um, or something but um well with the Verizon project how how what, what have you seen in in the folks who have taken advantage of the programs like have do you have any stories or successes that you can talk about I just would love to get us like some you know a visual of what's going on. In, yeah, with the folks for, who, yeah. No, I'm sorry. To, yeah, but thank no, you for no. asking that. I, I think, um, first of all, there are about 20 board members and we're all involved working in the wine um, and spirits industry in some way. So when I say this is like a dedicated team that is like running like a well-oiled machine, I have to say that. So I think, you know, before okay. I talk about um, you know, the recipients of the Verasian project, like the group uh, who's behind it is super excited and working mm. really hard to make sure that we are delivering for the future leaders, for everyone that that's a part of our organization. So I find that super exciting. Um, oh, that's great. If, know, I, if I can just interject, I, I mean, yeah. I think like... I, I, for anybody who thinks it's dry to talk about board 
members or boards, you know, an executive uh, <laughs> staff or anything like that. I just, I, I want to just interject that, you know, I, I think one of the best definitions I've ever heard of of regenerative agriculture is that it's about relationships. About it's about regenerating relationships, actually, and and those are human as well as you know extra human relationships. And without having passionate people who are doing the work and want to do the work and believe and share values about the importance of the work, you you can't have regeneration. And and or it's just going to take a lot longer. You know, the the you know the the soil microbes can only do so much. They really need the help of passionate, value-driven people who who care and who want to do a great job because they love what they're doing and find joy in it. So I I think that's great that you started there. Yeah, and then you know I have had a chance. Like one of the board members that I work with closely is um, Talia Suggs, and she is. Um, she was part of the um, apprentice program last year, and she has just talked about how her work, like how much she understands the business of wine, um, so much more than she did before that program. Uh, you know, there was another with the bridge program. I believe that we supported nine uh, scholars last year, and that was about $23,000 that we were able to contribute. So in terms of like making an impact, uh, you know, being able to talk to the scholars and talk to um, the participants, everyone is like, yes, this is making a difference because it's not just about getting money. It's about getting money when I need it for you know, for a job opportunity, or it's about putting me in a place where I can get the skill sets to get a job. Gotcha. Love that. Well, let me add this, if there's yeah. a way to bring this in, um, you know, to go back, I don't know of any, and I'm not saying that it doesn't exist, but I don't know of any programs like the apprenticeship program where you get this one year job rotation um, where you are working in marketing, viticulture, uh, winemaking, finance, uh, operations, you know, so I, I just don't know of anybody else doing that. And mm. the few um, apprentices that I've spoken with, they, again, they've been like, wait a minute, now I understand the connections between all of these different departments that makes that takes a wine bottle from the winery to the shelf, right? To someone's home. Yeah, that's great. I, I think what I wanted to ask was, do you have any sort of statistics that that might be instructive or shocking for the wine industry to hear about itself? <laughs> that that inform some of the work that you do, you know, why there is a need? Wow. I know that that exists. Um, I just, honestly, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. And I, I do have our deck here and they're really, I don't have anything that speaks to that. Okay, cool. Yeah. You just know, except, Well, maybe, and I can say this, um, you know, maybe it's the percentage that there's only 1% of uh, wineries are owned by African Americans. I mean, I don't know if that, if our work will um, create uh, winery owners, 
Um, but I imagine down the line that it could. Right. Yeah. You That's know? really interesting. Yeah. Now, you know, as you know, I, I mentioned my own interest in sort of revising and, and revolutionizing really wine education, especially mm-hmm. in in the U.S., in America in general, but in the U.S. specifically. And I wonder if you have any thoughts about how we could make it better. <laughs> like, did, have you, did you have any of your own formal education uh, in like, whether it's the Court of Psalms or the, the Wine Spirits Education Trust or anything like that? Yeah, I did. So I studied with the International Sommelier Guild. Okay. Where I yeah. did their level one and two, and then I um, level three with WSET, Wine Spirits Education Trust. Okay. Um, yeah. How do we make it better? Wow. That's such a loaded question. So because <laughs> I, <laughs> it is. Because I have written for a few publications, I've been involved in conversations with wine writers that talk about um, making the language of wine more inclusive. So, you know, to give you an example, you might say banana because of your culture. You know, I have notes of banana because of my culture. You know, I would maybe say I have notes of ripe plantains, right? Um, And understanding that, you know, because of uh, our backgrounds and what we what we eat and the smells that we are accustomed to, we're going to approach um, evaluating a, a wine differently. Yeah. I think that that is a starting point. Um, but in addition to that, I think it's who are the teachers, right? I remember yeah. being in a class where I smelled, come on, the not, not, uh, like um, molasses mm. a lot. And it was my first time in a formal wine tasting situation. And it was like, I would pick up molasses. And the uh, instructor was like, what in the world are you talking about? Right. <laughs> and, you know, but they would say something like, you know, some other sweet notes. Right. 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 And then later on, you know, the more educated I became, the more I realized, I wonder if these particular wines were taking me back to my childhood sure. where molasses was very common for me. Yeah. Um. So I think the way, you know, we have to have, a common language. And when we talk about wine, I understand that the common language is Eurocentric. And I do believe that that has to change, right? That has to evolve. But I think the way to start is educating the educators Mm -hmm. and letting them know that, wait a minute, pay attention to the student who describes it a little bit differently. Right. Right. Yeah, that's really interesting. I I mean, I have two thoughts about that. One is I I wonder how important it is for us to actually describe wine. Just period. Like why why is that something like yes, I get that it, it deepens your appreciation, it sort of brings it into focus and, you know, it, it focuses your attention to on it and but does it help with the enjoyment of wine to sort of parse out, you know, a couple dozen different flavor and aroma notes, you know, and and 
to be scored higher, the more of those you can sort of list or make up, you know, um, and, and, and being able to, and, or does it only help us to sort of identify a wine blind? And what is the value in that skill? You know, I mean, what is the real value in that? I don't know. Like, honestly, I don't know what the real value in that is. Other than, I don't, I don't even know. Honestly, I just don't know. I don't know how that help, has helped me appreciate. But yeah, I, please. No, I, I would I, love I, to hear your thoughts. Part of me, a, a, a big part of me agrees <clears throat> with you. I, I think it's important for a certain segment of the industry. You know, I think of the master sommelier and how she or he is tested, um, you know, their incredible ability to, you know, pick up on some nuances, you know, taste the wine and, 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 and be so connected to the vintage and what happened in that vintage that they can identify the wine. You know, I am not a master sommelier. I'm so far removed from it. But I imagine the way it's told on TV that this is something that's important for them to do. I think it, it, it's, it's a higher understanding and connection to the product. I don't think that the consumer needs to do that, right? <laughs> right. And I think that because the consumer sees this image of smell the wine, um, you know, break down the soil, um, you know, talk about these things that they don't even have the basic understanding of, yeah. I think it separates them from it. And I think that there is a journey, right? And I think the journey is appreciation, love, joy is where mm. it starts. Yeah. And then if you want to go further in your journey, and be able to blind taste and and know about these nuances, then that's that's welcoming as well. But it's the, the issue is that we make it one or the other. If you're not at that high level, then you're not welcome into this world. And I think that that's right. what's problematic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I mean, it's funny when I do tastings of my wine with people, they'll be like, well, "What should I be smelling?" Right? Like that's a question that I've gotten. Yeah. you know, almost as many times as I've done a tasting. And, and it's, I love it because it always gives me this opportunity to be like, well, I don't think you should be tasting anything other than what you do smell and taste. And I try not, I actively avoid saying anything that will inceptionize you because I mean, the way I put it is I was like, your grandmother cooked different food for you than my grandmother cooked for me, I'm sure. And so we have different sense memories and so much of our of these sensual experiences are subjective. Like they're, they're literally like these connections to like, for you, it was molasses. But if I didn't grow up in a culture with molasses, I would have, you know, it might be maple syrup or something, yeah. you know, like that. It might be, you know, like a, like a caramelized onion or something, you know, like it, it could be any number of sense associations that are similar and nuanced that overlay each other. And, to say that one is correct and this is like our the official way in, yeah, it seems very troubling. I, 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 I don't know if you've noticed this, but I, you know, one of the observations that I've had, you know, from pouring for people, from introducing people to wine, maybe for one of their first times, or you know, some or introducing them to a sort of a way of thinking about wine for the first time, is that people have this sense of they can get it wrong. 
you know, that you can get wine wrong. And I think that sense for some reason is embodied in the wine culture that we've put out there. When I say we, I mean, that has been put out there. I mean, I'm actively trying not to put it out there, but the sense that you can get it wrong seems to be completely antithetical to the sense of finding joy and finding love in that experience because it's like, it's scary. It's, it's more fear-based and it's more like, did I get it right? You know, it's like more like a test that I have to pass rather than like an immersion into a sensual pleasure experience. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts about that, but just some of the things I've observed. I'm shaking my head. Yes, yes, yes. And, you know, I had this conversation at an event that I did on Saturday and, you know, three of the women said, Oh, wine is so hard. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I was like, are you studying for a certification? Because, yeah, that's hard. Um, And they were like, no, it's just really hard. And I was like, all you have to do is taste it and say you like it or you don't like it. Let's just start there. (laughs) You know, it's like when we talk about the smelling of wine, right? To me, for the we smell it because we want to make sure the bottle's good and we know that, okay, there's really a small, small, small percentage of flawed wines out there anymore. So I ask, when you smell it, does it make you want to taste it, mm. right? Kind of like yeah. when you smell food, right? Yeah. You walk into a restaurant and you're like, whoa, I'm hungry. This, this, this smells delicious. Or you may walk in, you may smell something and say, oh, this is not, it's not jiving with me, right? right? So I think that we have to change, you know, the language of how we speak to consumers and, and just let them know that this is something that you are meant to enjoy or not enjoy. And if you don't enjoy, there's so many more that you can try. <laughs> you will find the one. Um, but let me go back to something that you asked earlier about my work at the Verasian Project. And I think that this is part of what we are doing as an organization. By opening up the wine and spirits world, right? By making it inclusive. The conversation that you and I are having, Adam, there will be more of these conversations Mm -hmm. because we're bringing in people with different backgrounds. There are going to be BIPOC um, leaders in the wine industry that want to go the traditional route, right? And that's okay. There are going to be those who want to go in and express themselves in a very different way. But the more diversity that we have, the more these conversations are going to take shape and the language is going to change because the language will have to be more inclusive. Yeah, that's great. I, I, that's, that's, that's what I hope. (laughs) Um, And you also make me think about, you know, I mean, we're talking about wine I think mainly with the sense in our heads right now as it as a as grape juice as you said but then you know one of the diversities that I really try to promote is this sense of is wine just grapes like does it have to be just grapes is that too narrow of a definition of wine I mean I think of mm. you know I have uh, like some friends from Belize so you might you know some Caribbean influence there <laughs> as well and they're making wine from cashew fruit and yeah. 
you know, that's, and some other, like this, I don't even know the name of it, but it's like a berry that grows on a tree that looks crazy. And Kinep is, I think it's the, the, I don't know what it's called there, but I think in Creole it's Kinep because I've seen, it's almost like has a hard shell, right? Oh, I don't know. Oh, okay, okay. I've only seen pictures. So yeah, I have no essential, I've only seen pictures and tasted the wine. Very dark um, berry. And yeah, and and so I, I mean, my point is just you know when does when does cashew wine get included and in when we talk about wine and and study wine and start to think about like this is a representation of terroir, especially in Belize, you know, mm-hmm. um, or or wherever it is that you know what is the local thing that grows in your region that is becomes this really unique and beautiful expression of that place of that culture that you come from. Um, that isn't necessarily grapes because <laughs> because that might not be where you're from, you know, um, especially if you live in like New Mexico or something like that. No, you know? that that's that's an excellent point. You know, I've been seeing, and I haven't you know done a deep dive, but a lot more um, articles and social media posts about you know the relevance of fruit and wine. You yeah. know, um, and, and you're right. Again, it's this idea that I have in my wine that it has or in my mind that it has to be Venus Venefra and that's it or die. Right. Right. <laughs> right, right. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's great. Well, if somebody wanted to learn more and, and get involved with the Verizon project, uh, can you how can we do that? So go to our website, uh theverizonproject.com. Right. You can um, um, you can find us on social media and we're super excited. Um, I, I, you know, I have to mention this that January first, we will be accepting applicant applications for our future leaders program. So, um, oh, follow when, us. When is that again? What, January first is January the 1st. date that um, the applications will be accepted, and all of the details are will be posted on the website. And we just ask everyone to spread the news because we want to have a really great group for 2024. Fantastic. I love that. Um, did we miss talking about anything important about the Verizon Project that we should cover? I want to make sure I, I didn't neglect to give you the opportunity to, to say anything important. No, I appreciate that. I'm looking at my notes. I mentioned Carly and Mayer, who's the founder, and Avril McKenzie. They don't want to be mentioned, but I mentioned them. Um, <laughs> you mentioned the Future Leaders Program, Bridge Apprenticeship. Um, no, I, I think we, we did good. And we mentioned that the applications are going to be open soon. Fantastic. Well, thanks for doing this. Thanks for Thanks for coming and spending your time here with me, but also thanks for the work that you're doing with the Brazen Project. I, I love what you're doing, so I'm glad that you are. I appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity, and um, let's stay in touch. Definitely. 